So in the self-managed company, everyone is a leader. What's different about the network as compared to the hierarchy, in the hierarchy, leadership is an ascribed position. So we put people, we call them the leaders, and they tend to direct all aspects of a particular project. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Rod Collins, who's a leading expert on digital transformation and the future of business. He's the host of the Thinking Differently podcast on the C-Suite Radio Network, where he explores how technological innovations continue to transform the rules of how successful businesses work. Rod is a regular blog contributor on Substack and the author of Wiki Management, a revolutionary new model for rapidly changing and collaborative world, which highlights the innovative tools and practices used by a new breed of business leaders to sustain extraordinary performance in a world reshaped by digital disruption. Rod is a former chief operating executive of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Federal Employee Program, one of the nation's largest and most successful business alliances. Under his leadership, the business experienced the greatest five-year growth period in its 60-year history. Our conversation centers around the concept of self-managed distributed network corporate structures versus the traditional hierarchy of power and control corporate structure. Now, before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. Off script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv is available for purchase on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. If you'd like to learn more about the book or better yet, order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy just by clicking the click to order button. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at Peter at PeterMargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate it if you leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcasts from. Also, please visit my newly rebranded YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Biz Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast video episodes along with this one. And while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, 
also known as the Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Rod Collins. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm going to school today, and I'm going to learn something completely foreign to myself because my guest is Rod Collins, and he's going to teach me about this concept that that's foreign to me called a self-managed corporate structure. But first and foremost, Rod, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to spend some time with me on my podcast. Peter, it's a delight to be with you. So, okay, I'm the student, you're the professor. I don't understand what, can you explain to me what self-management corporate structure is, a self-managed corporate structure? Okay. There's two fundamental ways that organizations can be set up. And for the last 150 years, most organizations have followed one model. It's a centralized, top-down, command and control hierarchy, organization charts. We take all this for granted. But it turns out there's a second model. Uh, practiced by a a smaller number of companies, Um, but I think will become a growing space uh, as we continue to see the pace of change accelerate because this this lesser model is more adaptive to change. And that's lesser model is the self-managed distributed network. Now, when, when we set up an organization, organizations have to answer two fundamental questions in their design. One is who decides, and two is how does power work so we can get things done? In the, in the traditional top-down hierarchy, um, its designing principle is trust authority. And therefore, we designate particular individuals, we leverage the intelligence of an elite few, and we give them command and control authority. And so, The form of power that works in hierarchy, we may not like the name, but it's true, is coercive power. Uh, And you have concepts such as insubordination, and you can get fired if you do not follow the directions of those who have command authority. Um, And we take this for granted. In networks, the questions are answered very differently. Their design principle is nobody's smarter than everybody. And so they don't leverage the individual intelligence of an elite few. They leverage collective intelligence. And the way things get done are through collaborative power. So no one in a network, no single person has the ability to coerce another person. It just simply can't be done. 
because in networks, their goal is not compliance with directives, but rather to reach agreements. And who decides in a network? Well, teams decide. And so one difference between a self-managed network and a top-down hierarchy is what's the individual unit of work? In a hierarchy, the individual unit of work is the individual person, which is why we have performance appraisals. Performance appraisals are always done in the context of specific individuals. In networks, the unit of work is the team. In hierarchies, individuals make decisions, individuals who are in authority and who are in authoritative positions. In networks, the teams are responsible for their own decision rights. In hierarchies, you're organized by departments, and these departments oftentimes compete with each other, oftentimes withhold information from each other. In networks, they work inherently in cross-functional teams. And so they have, to, they have to collaborate in order to get things done because the team is the focus of their work. Now, the reason networks are more, uh, I, I think, are going to grow in our rapidly changing times is that networks can adapt better. In a hierarchy, the, the basis for strategy is central planning. And once those plans are formulated, they tend to be fixed. And once they're formulated, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the drive within the organization is what I call ideological conformity. Anybody who disagrees is considered not to be a team player. And the goal, the behavioral goal of the top-down hierarchy is compliance. Now, in the network, all right, uh, they approach strategy very differently, not through central planning, but rather through iterative discovery. And that's very important in rapidly changing times, because once you have a fixed plan, if the world's changing fast, that plan can become obsolete pretty quickly. Um, in, in, high, in, in networks, if you're doing iterative discovery, then strategy is an organic process. And since the teams are responsible for decisions, they're constantly learning and they're learning together. And the process for closure is through the agreements that they reach as they do their work. Also, networks invite diversity of opinion because when you're leveraging the collective intelligence uh, to, to make decisions, then everybody's voice matters. And there's also an understanding no single person, especially in rapidly changing times, can process everything that's happening in real time, that it really does require uh, a, a collective intelligence effort. So these are very, very different models. Now, to help our listeners, um, they might be surprised to learn that this model has been around for over 60 years. Yes, I think they uh, would be. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, a product that they know well is made by a company that has operated this way uh, as a network since its beginning. Anybody familiar with the product Gore-Tex? Gore-Tex is made by a company called W.L. Gore & Associates. They were founded in 1958. They're a 10,000 person company in 30 countries around the world. They're a $3 billion enterprise. They've made a profit in every year that they've marketed their products and they've never had a boss. No person in this company has ever had the authority to assign work. It is a completely self-managed organization. 
And it has operated this way for over 60 years. That's amazing. So, yeah. I, um, so first, I'm sold. You've sold me. I, I'm all in self-management leadership. I mean, to me, that that I, one of my quotes is the collective knowledge outside of your office far exceeds the collective knowledge inside of your office. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this concept. It also follows kind of my, my improv leadership model and aspect of it. But my one, my next question is, what does leadership look like in this type of, of network environment? It is radically transformed. In the hierarchy, the, if you will, the, uh, the, the, the prototype for the leader in the hierarchy is the individual hero who will come in and save the company. Uh, and unfortunately, when boards hire CEOs, this is what they're looking for. The individual hero who will single handedly um, save the company. Well, that doesn't work, which is why you see such tremendous turnover among CEOs um, in, in networks. Leadership is a team function. Uh, there's another company that practices this model. Uh, they're known as they're, they're, they're called Morningstar. Yeah. Uh, they're the world's largest tomato processor. They've been around since 1990s. And uh, they also have never had bosses who could assign work. And they went from a startup to the world's largest tomato processor using this self-management model. Now, when they were visited by um, uh, Gary Hamill, the, uh, the noted management guru, he was very impressed as he walked around with their founder, uh, Chris Ruffer. And he made the statement to him. He said, Chris, there are no managers in your company. And Chris turned around and said, no, Gary, you got it all wrong. Everyone is a manager in our company. So in the self-managed company, everyone is a leader. What's different about the network compared to the hierarchy, in the hierarchy, leadership is an ascribed position. So we put people, we call them the leaders, And they tend to direct all aspects of a particular project, even though they may not be competent in all dimensions of the project. Now, in a network, all right, with leadership residing with the team, they are able to optimize leadership because what the team may do is, let's say in the beginning of a project, there's a person who's particularly really good at leading brainstorming efforts. So the group will turn to that position and say, we're going to make you the leader of this. And then once the group is brainstormed and decided uh, we need to convert this into a plan, they may look upon another individual who's got excellent organizational skills and say, we need you to lead us through putting this together. And then somebody else may help to lead the construction And then somebody else may help to lead the marketing. And so what the team does is it's able to maximize its strengths by at every aspect of a project, pulling in the appropriate optimal talent uh, to take the effort forward. And so everyone gets to experience being a leader. And so you don't have this class distinction that you've got in hierarchies between the managers and the workers. In self-managed structures, everyone's a manager, everyone's a worker. So the question next next that pops up in my head is that one, I, I love this concept, but from a structural perspective, do these or these organizations have board of directors, correct? 
They do. They do. And and is there someone within the organization that's appointed, lack of a better term right now, the, the CEO? So let's take Gore as an example. Thank you. Gore has a CEO. That CEO does not direct the activity of Gore. The role of the CEO is to maintain this unique culture, to make sure that this team-based self-management approach, okay, is, is preserved. And uh, also their fu main function is to be a spokesperson to the outside world because the outside world is used to interacting with, with CEOs. And so that's one of their primary uh, roles. But in terms of unilateral decision-making, they don't have that. All decisions in Gore are made in the context of teams. So people listening to this might say, well, how do you decide strategy? How do you decide what projects go forward? Yes. All right. And the way Gore does it is anybody can organize a team around a new project. And this happened a few years ago. Uh, I happen to be a guitar player. And if we have any guitar players uh, listening into this podcast, they may be familiar with Elixir guitar strings. Well, there was a group within Gore that sat around and said, you know, we, we guitar players have to replace their strings every six weeks. Well, what if we made a guitar string that you only had to replace once a year? And what they did is, you know, they coated the strings with, with chemical treatment. So this team comes up with this idea, all right? And if a team comes up with an idea in Gore, they, they, everybody's free to develop it. You can organize teams. Once you think you've got your idea to a point where you think it's time for funding, what Gore does is they'll, they'll have a session together, similar to a shark tank that we see on TV, but they've been doing this before it was on TV. And all of these teams come in, they, they put together a group of people uh, to listen to these presentations and the teams make a pitch for why they should get funding. And uh, what happens is at the end of the session, those who've been listening to the presentations are given a stick of green dots, green of course for money. And let's say each dot is worth $10,000 and you've got six of them. And the group has said, if you had 60,000 to invest in these, would you, where would you invest them? And if you wouldn't invest in any of them, you can pocket your dots. And based on that voting, they decide which projects should be pushed forward to another committee that would decide whether or not it would get funding. And so what you see is constant team-based approach. No, one of the wisdoms of, of this uh, management approach, and this was a guiding principle in Bill Gore's mind when he set up this, this management structure. He didn't want any single individual to ever have the ability to kill a good idea or keep a bad idea alive. He wanted his company designed for innovation. And so this is how innovation happens. Any team can come up with an idea. They have to make a case. They bring it forward. They bring it forward to a group. You can see they're leveraging collective intelligence, not individual intelligence. If that group says, yes, we think this should get funding, then it goes to another team who's responsible for allocating the budget. And, and so a second team checks in. Um, and although this may sound cumbersome, it actually moves faster than trying to run an idea up and down a chain of command where 
you actually are getting it reviewed, perhaps six or seven different individuals. Here you're going through a, a two-team process. Uh, and, and I think in these organizations, they have a sense of, you know, we're going to have another one of these. I'm going to call it Shark Tank. That's not what they call it. They, they may schedule and say, you know, every month or so. So you're, you're work, you know what you're working towards. And it's a reasonable time frame in which to get your ideas forward. But this is what leveraging collective intelligence looks like. I love it. You know, I do have an accounting background. I'm not a very good one, a, a CPA, but I do have that background. And, and real quickly, is so when the team gets the idea, uh, the, the shark tank in it, and they say, okay, let's move forward with it. And then you said it goes to another team. Is, is that where the, the finance people come in and go, okay, now let's really scope this out for my, for my cost benefit analysis or, or what's the return on investment? Yes, those types of things will be looked at, but those would have also been presented by the team in the presentation. All right. So they would have made their case for cost benefit analysis. And what you've got is another team that is responsible for um, uh, allocating the, you know, the limited funds that the company has. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you've got you've what you've got is you, you constantly have multiple sets of eyes looking at things. Uh, and, and this assures that no single individual can kill a good idea, keep a bad idea alive. So you don't have a single CFO who has the authority to kill a project. You have a CFO, OK, but the CFO is a team leader. The, but the decisions are actually made by a financial team as opposed to a single individual. The CFO's role is to make sure that this self-management pro uh, uh, process is preserved and also uh, has to sign financial statements because that's required oftentimes of companies. Yeah. So my understanding now is that those who operate in the C-suite per se, mm -hmm. uh, their roles as CFO, as head of sales, head of distribution, head of whatever, their main goal is to make sure that the culture the self-management culture is not is not dismissed and is adhered to, and, just, and, and that's their role. And also have an input and, and be part of the conversation, but but it's a collective conversation, not a singular conversation within yes or no. Yeah. So the CFO would never be considered the CF no as in a hierarchical right. situation. That's right. Yeah, the CFO does not have the authority to singularly say no. That doesn't exist. The CFO can make a, you know, can make a case. Now, leadership in a network is a facilitative activity, whereas in a hierarchy, it's a directive activity. So in a hierarchy, the leader feels, well, I've got to come up with the answer. All right. In networks, the focus is on the questions. The leader feels we have to come up with the right questions. And then I've got to leverage the intelligence of everyone so we can answer those questions. And another thing about focusing on collective intelligence is if you're facilitating the diversity of opinions in, in an honest way, you are more likely, more quickly to uncover unknown unknowns. And unknowns, unknowns are the things that kill hierarchies. Mm -hmm. When you have a centralized fixed plan and you say, we're going to go with that and put blinders on, oftentimes what kills projects and costs them to go over budget uh, or over time is the unknown, unknown unknowns pop up 
Right. And then you got to handle them. If you're leveraging collective intelligence, if you're respecting diversity of opinion, if you're inviting dissenting ideas, you are going to uncover the unknown unknowns more quickly because that's what the people are seeing. Mm -hmm. That's what allows you to come on time and on budget. If you front end those, you're going to eliminate the rework at the end. It's a little messier, but in the end, it's more ordered. The hierarchy is, is well ordered in the front, but how many projects at the end of the day are just an absolute mess? So I always say to people, in, in, in every project, there's, uh, there's two stages, order and chaos. Your only choice as a manager is what's the sequence? Why the hell would you choose order? Okay, first. Why would you choose chaos last? And the chaos first, get the order, let the order emerge, like discover the unknown unknowns, and you're likely to uh, come up with better results. But more importantly, you're going to be able to adapt to change in real time. First thing that came to my mind, and, and, and I got to have you back on the podcast because we need, to, we need to wrap this up. But I need to have you back again to talk more about this because I'm fascinated by it. I would but be delighted. You, yeah. But as you were saying about the chaos, if, if Coca-Cola would have adopted that type of organizational structure, we would have never come up with, they would have never come up with new Coke. Right. Right. That's right. So, Rod, how can people find you? They can find me on my website at rodcollins.net. Rod, thank you so very much. This has been fascinating. I'm on board with self-managed distributed networks as a corporate structure, and it's wonderful talking with you. I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. I would like to thank Rod for sharing his knowledge about the positive aspects of working in a self-managed distributed network corporate structure. Once we finished recording and during the debrief, I asked Rod if he would come back as a guest and share his experiences in working in this type of corporate structure. He agreed and asked me to bring my toughest questions to the interview. This new episode will be released on April 25th. If there's a question that you would like me to ask Rod, just email it to me at peter at petermargaritas and put it in the subject line, a question or questions for Rod. Remember, there are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. Be a yes person. Thank you. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.